Hello, this is John Wilson of Make Hours Marvel. Um, I've never had to do this before. It's a little before the show announcement thing. So if you are listening to this, then you may have already once tried to listen to episode 149, and I got word that the sound was jumbled. Um, when we recorded this, for whatever reason, Audacity was not picking up my voice the way it was supposed to, and so I had our call record through Skype, which is normally just fine, but for whatever reason, that got like my end of the track, the the, the bits of... The conversation got moved to other parts. I don't know if that happened in the audacity processing or what. To make a long story tolerable, I had to go back to the audacity recording that wasn't that great and re-import it. And my voice ended up not sounding terrible, but it's very saturated and occasionally hard to understand. And I hate putting out product that is, you know not pleasant to listen to. So I just wanted to up here up front say, sorry about that. Um, this should be a one-time thing or certainly a very rare occurrence. Uh, that being said, if you're still here and ready to listen, enjoy the show. everyone my name is michael kaiser and i'm john wilson and welcome to another episode of make ours marvel this is episode 149 of a podcast that has taken you through so many adventures so many um journeys and so many uh i, I don't i don't know but the distractions from the marvel universe starting with the fantastic four in 1961 and going all the way into march of 1967, which is where we are tonight. That's We're right. Talking about, uh, let's see, what are our four issues for now? We got Tales of Suspense 90. We have Strange Tales 157, Fantastic Four 63, and The Avengers 40. It just hit me right now that we only have nine more Tales of Suspense. Oh. That's insane. Wow. You're right. I've been counting down the Asgard tales because those are going away soon. Suspense is going away soon, which means yeah. all of our anthology books are going away soon because they all, like dominoes, they, they, they cancel one after the other or transition. I want to split. They split. Yeah. But that's how, I mean, gosh, we've been with old Iron Man for quite some time and he's coming to an end-ish, but also a new beginning, of course. So mm -hmm. that's okay. But still, it's like crazy. We've gotten through all these. All right. Well, shall we start off with some... Um, so I was going to say some Captain America Red Skull, but it's but no, just the cover. it's actually speaking of vintage way back in the day Iron Man. We've got a little bit of that tonight or today. Oh yeah, Tales of Suspense number ninety. The cover is Captain America. It's his turn, and it's called "And Men Shall Call Him Traitor." An epic to stagger your senses. The most cr incredible crime of all time. But before we get to that, like we said, it's actually Iron Man's turn in the Golden Ghost. A monumental masterwork, magnificently molded by smiling Stan Lee and genial Gene Colan, inked by fearless Frank Giacoya, lettered by artful Artie Sebeck. Now that you've savored another of Mighty Marvel's subliminal summaries, 
Let's go to where the action is. I guess the summary was in the dialogue, which is that the Melter, this is part two of the Melter trying to, uh, I guess his whole goal is to get a smaller version of his melting gun and only Tony Stark can invent one. So he attacked last issue and Iron Man had to kind of run away because he was being melted and he put on his Tony Stark uniform and pretended to be Tony. And now like at gunpoint, Tony is inventing a smaller melter outfit or outfit uh, gun. So they're in his lab and the old gold suit's still there and Melter takes note of it and even like jerkily like shoots the arm a little bit just to melt it. And then he talks about how his new gun doesn't just melt metal. It melts anything depending on what setting he puts it on. So it can melt concrete, it can melt humans, it can melt whatever. So anyway, Tony being Tony, who can like invent elements and stuff, he just easily creates this miniature version of the guy's gun. He says, here you go. Melter's like, no way, man. You do it first in case it blows up or something. So he goes, here, look, see, zap. Okay, cool. Well, you can hold my old gun, and I'll take the new one. And then Tony's like, oh, I could use this on him, but I see that he set it to explode setting, so I won't do that. And then that makes the melter annoyed, and he starts shooting the floor and makes Tony Stark dance. Um, the police show up, and they surround the building. I guess they oh, you're surrounded. Come on out. So now Melter's like, oh, I got to go deal with these guys. So he sets his gun to flesh and shoots Tony. <laughs> And Sorry. Tony's Tony dies. Yep. Uh-oh. Um, Melter goes outside. He starts terminatoring all the cops. Um, some of Tony's, like, dates also have shown up because apparently he accidentally double booked or purposely double booked. Who knows? And they're all worried, too. Uh, meanwhile, Tony gets up because, you know, he's not really dead because, you know what? He doesn't have flesh on his chest. He has armor. And the Melter <sighs> didn't know that. So it's kind of like wearing a bulletproof vest against a flesh ray. Um, and in order to expedite things, he just puts on his old school armor. So it's the old gold Iron Man armor that comes alive, flies out of the building, takes on the melter. Um, and ultimately, oh, yeah, as he's fighting the melter, the melter's gun just gets hotter and hotter to the point where he can't hold it anymore. Because guess what? Tony did screw with it. He just did it in a way that wasn't immediate and obvious so that the Melter uh, could be tricked into holding it. So, yeah, the Melter ultimately has to drop his gun. He can't pick it up anymore. Iron Man and the police uh, take the Melter into custody. And then the Iron Man walks away the winner. Next, the Crusher. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. So this is a trope that happens a few times over the years, but I think this is the first time they've done it. I think you're right. In fact – they make it seem like this iron, this gold armor has been around this whole time, but I think it's like the first time we've seen it as like a trophy or, you know, like a hall of armor kind of situation. Well, I do remember there was a time where somebody stole his golden armor mm. and he had to go after them, like the first like proto armor wars kind of thing. That's true. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. on display back there, which is pretty cool. We've never seen that before. Yeah. Which also becomes an Iron Man trope. He goes down to his iron cave and there's like all his past armors in boxes. And then he destroys them in one episode and then like <laughs> a year later they're still down there and they get all like, yeah. I guess he just decides like I destroyed that Mark VI. I'll rebuild it again just so I have a display model. It's kind of like when Captain America's shield gets destroyed and it's like, oh, but no, this is my original one from back in the day. Right. Guess what? It's yeah. indestructible. Yeah. The other one was just from the museum I stole it from. Right, right. Um, you know, we so often neglect the chest plate these days. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that kind of sets up the misdirect pretty nicely on page six. 
because they never really talk about the fact that he has, still has that on. You would think that Melter would notice that there's not a big giant hole in his chest, but otherwise it was a pretty good, uh, you know, bamboozle. I liked it. Yeah, and then at the bottom of page eight, where like the old armor comes out of the shadows and the boots stump to the ground, and that then was the next really page, cool. and you get like that pretty pretty good sized shot of our Iron Man. And thanks to the MCU, you can actually like hear the whirring up noise, like as the thing turns on. <laughs> Right? Yeah, yeah. Like from that original movie when what's his name pressed the button on the laptop or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean it was pretty simple and straightforward, but I liked it. It was cool. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> his girlfriend show up. Yeah, people, I had a date with him. And yeah, I, I, I was just thinking his last last issue. Tony was going through a lot of dates because he was trying to like cleanse his brain of pepper pots. Mm-hmm. And we saw him, he was kind of at first, was like, yeah, I can't date you tomorrow. I've got 30 other women lined up. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if uh, this woman just didn't realize that she was one of many or what. Well, the, I don't think they give him name. It seemed like they're trying to introduce new characters here in a way. Like, because the guy, um, who's the, it's not chief of police. Oh, deputy commissioner. They give him a lot of hero uh, panels. Mm-hmm. Make it seem like we want to see this dude again, which I'd be cool with. And then, like, Betty and Veronica here get a bunch of panels to where I thought, well, maybe they're trying to, like, introduce new love interests because they're just going to write off Pepper and Happy as being happily ever after, which is boring. And they have nothing to say anymore. I do think we are nearing the end of this phase of Pepper and Happy. Um, Mm -hmm. But on Chronology Project, there are no recurring characters listed here except for Iron Man and Melter. I haven't checked Marvel reading order. Well, then I guess they're just heroic-looking guys that never show up again um i laughed when you said he sets it to flesh just because that's such a great idea but um (laughs) his gun does flesh wood stone and metal now i thought that was interesting because granted the melter ray has absolutely no basis in physics we talked about that the last time he showed up you Mm -hmm. can't you can't change states without a transition of energy and so you've got to heat stuff up to liquefy there's no other way so he's he's not doing that. But it would make sense that different kinds of substances would require different levels of energy um, to whatever it is that he's doing. So you think that's what it does when he switches the dial? It like just increases or decreases the energy output? Yeah, or, or the time. That makes sense. Whatever comic book energy he's doing to, to melt metal mm-hmm. without heating it, it's not going to be the same kind of stuff he'd want to do to flesh, I'm guessing. Yeah, I was, I was thinking it's like different energy altogether but then it's like well how does that work if you just have one gun you know it's got to be all the same ammo inside but oh yeah, yeah that makes yeah. that makes sense just different intensity that's mm-hmm. a good idea i like that um the only other thing i had about this is they gripe about the old suit being slow mm-hmm. and we talked about this a long time ago but these references to the older suits being slow they used to bother me because when he did the upgrade there was no mention of the new suit being faster Mm-hmm. And there was no complaint about the old suit being slow. That's not why he upgraded. He upgraded it because Steve did kind of cool design design idea, right? Um, but now I'm thinking that maybe it's like you know when you're doing when you're like living in the world of technology. Hello, 2021. Um, we are we slowly increment and we slowly upgrade over time. And the the difference between one version and the next version might not be that noticeable. Mm-hmm. But the difference between one version and like two or three versions later mm-hmm. is more noticeable. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's like, wow, I didn't realize it, <laughs> but this suit is actually kind of, kind of clunky and slow. Have you ever like 
upgraded from iPhone 6S to 11 in one jump. And then, you know, it's like, yeah, this is definitely bigger and it's flashy and that's cool and you're used to it. But then, like, for some reason, you have to use your old iPhone 6 for five minutes and it's like, oh, my God, how did I live with this screen and this weird button that I no longer have to deal with and stuff? Maybe it's like that. Just going backwards is more obvious than going forward. I still have a six. (laughs) I just barely got an 11 and I went from a six to an 11. Yeah, I'll I'll probably get whatever's either the latest model or the, like the next to latest model, whatever I upgrade, but yeah, I don't want to lose my headphone jack. Yeah. Like that is really jack. stupid. And I also, I do kind of miss that button you press instead of just the like, fake vibrator button. There's like that button that like reads your fingerprint and opens things and all that. Mm-hmm. Like now it's a face thing. And guess what? We all wear masks. So the face thing is really annoying. <laughs> and also like, in order to close apps, you have to barely scroll this certain speed. I'm getting good at it now, but at first it was like, oh, I really miss that button. Hmm. You just double click. Um, so you're just telling me all the reasons why I shouldn't get into a phone. Well, the screen is much nicer. And <laughs> it does hold a lot more, and it's a lot faster, and the photos are better. But yeah, I could live with the 6S forever probably. It's fine. Um, uh, uh, you know what else I also think? I think we talked about that before, but you know how Ditko – I think they didn't talk about it being a slimmer, faster model because I think Ditko was just drawing Iron Man slimmer. It wasn't like – like now in the maybe a retconned way, they always make the gold armor this huge bulky thing. But at the time, I think Ditko was making the gold armor look kind of slimmer than Kirby too. More tapered waist kind of thing. So it was like are, is he really – it wasn't like this conscious effort on Ditko's part to make it slimmer it per just se. Happened. It just happened stylistically and then that turned into reality somehow. That's anyway, possible. anyway, it makes sense because it does look bigger and bulkier. It looks like a tank. But it was cool to see again. Well, shall, shall we, we see what Cap's to, in? Uh, Cap's in the same outfit, but yeah, he's not otherwise, changed. let's see. The men shall call him traitor. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Surely the most unnecessary words ever penned are these. Continued from last ish. <laughs> they <laughs> never say the, that anyway. <laughs> written in the fiery flash of inspiration by Smiling Stan Lee. Penciled in the first blush of enthusiasm by Garrulous Gil Kane. Yes. Inked in the dazzling glow of the jubilation by Jovial Joe Sinnott. Lettered in the lonely grip of lethar- lethar- lethargy by adorable Artie Simek. Um, so yeah, we left Cap with two walls, like closing in on him. He's going to die and Red Skull rubbing his hands together. Uh, but then Cap's like, oh, this pit I'm in, I can see the controls from here. So he just throws the shield at the controls and they break and then the walls stop closing in on him. And also when they break, like cord comes down into the pit. So he just uses it to Tarzan his way out of there. But by the time he gets out, the Red Skull has been like, and he runs and he jumps in his like, this hovercraft thing and he flies away cap ties the cord that he used to get out of the pit with to his shield and he throws his shield and it kind of loops around like one of the things sticking out of the red skull's ship so he hitches a ride basically but the red skull notes that on his view screen is like okay well i'm just gonna hover down close to the water so he does that now cap's drowning right but so cap solves that problem by just climbing up the rope um and then he uses a shield to smash a window, and he gets inside the ship. Red Skull assumes he drowns because he can't see him anymore. No human can last that long. So he hovers his uh, ship around New York City, and he puts it in a bubble. It's like that episode of Doctor Who where those rhinoceros things took that one building and brought it to the moon. It's sort of yes. like that. But uh, we also like, did the same thing. Because you can see, like, 
it's not just in a bubble, but it's like you can see it being scooped from the ground, the city. So, yeah, bad plumbing right there. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, he's about to press this button that's going to kill. Oh, no, Cap shows up and goes, hey, don't do that. He's like, you're too late. He presses a button and there's like this trap door. Trap door leads to a robot. Cap fights the robot, uses the robot to get back up. Through the trap door, he then fights the Red Skull, who says, no one can beat me at karate, and Cap laughs and beats him at karate. Uh, but then he's like, fine, I'm going to press this button, and it's going to kill everybody, unless you agree, pinky swear, Thor style, to do what I say. And Cap's like, oh, I don't know what to do except to do what he says. So I give you my word. So Red Skull lets the bubble loose, or lets you know, freeze the city, but then he puts over this big announcement over the TV that Captain America is his new, I don't know if he calls him servant or partner or something like that, and Cap's like, yeah, I am. And everybody's like, oh, he's a traitor. Next issue, the last defeat. Calls him his partner in evil. Partner in evil, there you go. Well, at least he doesn't call him his peon or something. Right, right. Um, And then Captain America goes and calls the Avengers and tells them, Cosmic Cube, and then runs away. Does he say anything about the Cosmic Cube in this issue, though? No. There's no, no. no reason for Cap to make that phone call, and I was kind of right. annoyed. We'll talk about that more in a, in a yes. half an hour. Yes, exactly. But I was wondering about that. Um, so garrulous go, can garrulous means talkative to the point of annoyance, like talks too much, okay. which I normally they would say that about like the writer, but I, I don't know. No. Does Gil Kane talk too much? I don't know. I think they just were looking for a G word. I guess so. Could have been gregarious. Um, Gregarious, uh, gallivanting, gargantuan. Yeah, um, I don't know. Gorilla combative. Galvanizing. Um, so like golden. I've read all these stories. I know I have. I used to own mm-hmm. them, you know? But then it's like, for some reason, when it comes to Red Skull, I forgot how not great the sleeper thing was. I forgot how horrible he was with the Cosmic Cube. And I have zero memory of Bubble Skull. Like, <laughs> this whole this whole storyline to me is like, what is going on? I do not remember reading this. Is it because it's not Jack Kirby? Could be, or maybe it's because it ultimately goes nowhere and who cares? So I just didn't commit it to memory. Like, it isn't really standing out to me as awesome. The bubble technology is kind of stupid. I kind of uh, feel like Red Skull the way I feel with Doctor Doom. The stories aren't bad, but like your impression of the character is a lot stronger than the stories actually make are happen so far yes except we, we really, finally we just had a really good dr doom arc though finally. right right we had the cosmic power and everything um but yeah so speaking of gil kane and jack kirby i was it's been a while since kirby drew this strip and i was starting to worry that did we did we finish the kirby mm-hmm. run and just not so i checked and of course he does come back in two issues Great. And shortly after his return to the strip, the fifth Fantastic Four annual is released. Oh, that's why he's gone. That's probably why he's out. He's working on that. Um, and yeah. after that, he's on cap until issue 109. So okay. we've we still got almost half of his Captain America work to do. I mean, the art's okay. It's not blowing me away, but it's serviceable. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really just more the story. Like, I don't know. It's okay. But like – this bubble thing is just whatever. Yeah, it feels brainiacy. Like, what's he going to do with the yeah. setting the bubble? What's, what's what's his plan well, there? Yeah, what is the thing? He's going to press a button and they all die unless. <sighs> and then here we go again with this freaking Thor thing. Like, unless you give me your word to serve me for twenty four hours, I'll kill all these people. Cap should have said, "Sure, no problem." And as soon as he lets go of the bubble, he should have broke the guy's neck. Right. Sorry, I lied. Whatever. So he's no going to use 
The plastic bubble to destroy city after city until the entire nation is on its knees before. So it's terrorist attack. But um, but I somehow guess, Cap, Cap serving him for 24 hours is better than what he had because he had New York. He had won. Maybe New he's York just really horny for Cap. What's he get? I guess we'll find out next issue what his plan is for the 24 hours. What do you think about this whole Red Skull can't see people die and has to like walk away? He's done this before. He's like, oh no, you're going to die. I must, I must avert my eyes and go to the next room. Yeah, he did that with the suicide guy, which I actually thought was super cold. But then if that was because he's squeamish, that's kind of weird. Because remember like early World War II stories when he'd stare people in the eyes as they mm-hmm. died? I feel like the Red Skull I know would be fine with shooting people right in the face and watching. But mm-hmm. He would be so, the one who shot a man in Reno. So I don't know if that's just an excuse for off-panel violence because of comics code or because mm-hmm. or an excuse to do like the Dr. Evil thing and not watch Austin Powers actually die. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it, well, the thing is it definitely opens up some James Bond storytelling because he walks out, yeah. Captain America totally frees himself. And the next time we yeah. see Skull, he's like, yeah, Captain America's probably drowned. Um, yeah. Not knowing that he's freed himself the entire time. That seemed like a pretty easy way to easy uh, escape. But yeah, he probably drowned. And also, I love how the next panel is, now I'll go to light speed. It's like, uh, maybe you should have done that when he was holding the rope. That probably would have killed him. And yeah, he uh, he convinces Cap to serve him for 24 hours for whatever reason. I'm wondering, do you think that they both remember that time that Cap was hypnotized into serving the skull? Because that was like 20 issues ago. Yeah, that was a modern story, so I guess they could technically remember. But they have it was really... a modern story set in the past, right? But they haven't like uh, waxed about um, old times, really. They don't really do that, do they? No, I totally would. Yeah, just to just to like stall him for a little while, maybe. Um, anyway, he could like mention Strucker and all sorts of stuff, and they could have yeah. references to random stories we've never seen. Yeah, like that one time I encountered Strucker, even though I never did. Well, I found out recently that Strucker is the one who made sure that Red Skull survived his hibernation underneath that wreckage. Really? I don't Mm -hmm. think I knew that. Strucker's interesting because, like, he's a fake Golden Age character, right? I mean, he's not really a Golden Age character. Same with Zemo. Although I feel like he is fulfilling the promise that Zemo was. Uh Uh-huh. Zemo was, here is a character in Sergeant Fury who's also in the Avengers. Oh, right. I forgot he was in Sergeant Fury. That was such a fake thing. And, you know, they revealed that he was the one who who was there when Bucky died and everything. But this is really taking somebody who we are invested in as readers as a World War II character. And, oh, no, he's back in 1967. Right. So, And cooler than ever. Very cool. Speaking of cool, that cover is really cool. Mm-hmm. You ready to move on to Strange Tales? Let's do it. 157. Um, got a cover of Baron Strucker holding the Satan Claw over the world, wrapped in the emblem of Hydra. Nick Fury is there, Captain Kirk topless. And Laura Brown is present on the cover, and she is present on the splash page. And then you never see her again. Nope. We don't need her. She's just a hostage. I mean, literally, not to get into notes too early, but like, She's not even a damsel in distress. She's the MacGuffin. Uh-huh. She is the chalice on the shelf that you really want to get to and, like, fact, take. You just brought her up right now. I legitimately was going to ask what Nick Fury was doing on this thing. I forgot. He is here to rescue her. Huh? That's his thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why he's here. Yeah, I forgot because they don't talk about it. 
Nick Fury, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Supreme Headquarters, International Espionage Law Enforcement Division. Nick Fury has finally come face to face with the Supreme Hydra, his diabolic arch enemy from World War II, Merciless Baron Vaughn Strucker. I honestly don't know if we've had the Vaughn before this. Uh, yeah, that's true, huh? I feel like we haven't because I feel like my brain's registering that he has not been Vaughn Strucker yet. But maybe it's been mentioned and I just forgot. But I feel like does it's that cool. make him cooler, or is it just changing his surname? Uh, makes him more nobility-like, I think. Okay, that's one of the reasons. Um, but yeah, but the Shield Ramrod has been captured, and after a mock trial before the Tribunal of Treachery, has been condemned for his relentless crusade against the monster hordes of Hydra. As Fury lies helplessly strapped in a monstrous killer machine. The vengeful Strucker releases a coruscating tempest of deadly alpha rays. Now, Nick Fury, the world, and you, Frantic One, are about to face the ultimate dot, 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 crisis. Um, this is edited by Stan Lee, the Overlord, written and illustrated by Jim Steranko, the Overseer, lettered by Sam Rosen, the Overworked. <laughs> So Laura's there being held by a hydragoon as Baron Strucker's like, yes, we're going to kill Nick Fury. And then S.H.I.E.L.D. will bow to the wrath of Hydra. And like all of Hydra's is surrounding them all in their little like Tomb of the Cybermen cells along the walls. Um, Hydra Island is there. And while Baron Strucker is ranting and raving about how they're going to kill Nick Fury, he turns around to do it. And Nick Fury's not there. He's gone. Fury's escaped. Meanwhile, back on the helicarrier, all of S.H.I.E.L.D. is wondering what they're going to do. Uh, there were bomb explosions previous-ish on the helicarrier. Stuff has been injured and destroyed. Uh, um, Sitwell's in charge. <laughs> and he's got to find more bombs because there are more bombs on board the ship and he's got to deactivate it. The, even the side division is trying to find them. And he's just like, uh, uh, if only Colonel Fury were still alive, he'd know what to do. He died in that fiery blast. But no, he didn't die. In fact, he is on Hydra Island. He's taken his invisible pill. He's beaten up Hydra goods while he's invisible. He turns visible again, but his shirt is still invisible. So um, he runs around all half naked, beating up Hydra goons left, right, and center. There's a fantastic splash page. Patoom, 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 shooting Hydra goons. Um, he uses one as a human shield, totally kills him. Dives into a uh, shuttle car. Um to, I don't know, travel through Hydra Island and actually show him using it. Uh, there's this really cool scene of him like beating up Hydra goons in nine panels, and then he releases a hallucination cube, which makes all the Hydra goons left. Um, they breathe in this mind-bending vapor, which shows them these really weird psychedelic hallucinations to distract them, while Nick Fury runs along to find Strucker. And he does. He finds Baron Strucker. He's like, come here, I've been waiting a long time to get you where I can pulverize you. And Strucker's like, oh, you want to pulverize me? Well, I'm going to have my Satan Claw. And he puts on this red metallic claw that not only looks awesome, it also like shoots electricity at Nick Fury. Nick Fury tries to grab it and just touching it makes him uh, absorb a blast of shimmering doom. Also, it uh, has an impact whenever Fury punches him with it. 
it's a pretty amazing little weapon for being just a glove. It's like the power glove, only more powerful. Uh, so Nick Fury and Strucker are fighting, but Strucker finally wins, beats Nick Fury down to the ground. And now observe as the electronic current pulses from the Satan Claw to destroy you. My final act before I become master of the world. And Fury snub. He can't even stand up. It looks like the end. Next issue, final encounter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The art is definitely moving up with each issue. Like, yes. This this seems a little bit like Starenko's take on Kirby action, but it's Starenko's mm-hmm. version, not just him drawing over Kirby layouts. You can tell he's a creative guy and he's trying to do different things mm-hmm. than other people are doing. Sometimes it works for me, and sometimes it doesn't. And I think that's just because he's What's new, an example and of one that works out eventually. Well, like the beginning here, it's bad storytelling in that we don't see Nick in his original position, and we don't see Nick in his disappeared position. Mm, so it's yeah. almost like it's kind of confusing. There should have been a picture of him, how we left him in his little thing. Then there should have been a close up of Hydra, or you know, Von uh, Strucker doing his speech, and then the next shot should have been the capsule is now missing Nick and and Von Strucker startled. But instead we get like none of that. And so I'm just like, Nick Fury has escaped. Wait, when did that happen? What page? I don't know. Where'd it go? I didn't see that. And so that so makes weird. you wonder, like, if he was right there in front of Strucker, mm-hmm. why is he in a completely different part of the facilities where he appears? Yeah, because like this whole this whole that's the other thing. This whole uh, uh, thing is him working his way through, only to end up at Strucker again, which is where he started. So, and I and like I said, I had forgot that the reason he's there is to find hostage lady. Mm-hmm. So the whole time I'm like, what is he there for? I wasn't quite remembering. They don't he, really play that up. He says on page four that his motivation was to cause a distraction in another area to get their attention away from Laura. So he swallowed his invisible okay. pill and ran off. Okay. And then he's going to cause a ruckus to like pull their attention away from her, which I guess. But like you said, we don't we don't see enough of that to substantiate it. I guess the first couple pages are the the ones that bother me the most. Like even page three, where Sitwell is just like, like what exactly is he doing? He's squatting or something. I don't like know. On, on that second panel or on the third? On the third panel, for instance. I guess he's running, looking yeah. for bombs or something. But it's just like a bunch of independent panels, and they you basically have to go by the dialogue saying, we are looking for bombs. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. do they did that get established somewhere that Hydra planted more bombs, or is that a new element? Uh, I, I guess think the fact like, that there were plural bombs was indicated last issue, yeah. Okay. But then after that, it gets better. I, like, I do think he does a good job of having Nick work his way through. There's a lot of cool splash pages. That one page on seven where it's like a kung fu fight with a guy looks pretty mm-hmm. good. So I guess what uh, I'm hearing you say is that the individual panels and the artwork is pretty great, but the way it strings together to tell a story is not always clear. I think he's still working on that. I think he'll get yeah. there, though. But like, he's, um, like the creativity is maybe getting in the way of communication sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you got to be careful. you got to be able to understand what's going on too it's kind of important i know it's only one panel they didn't even get their name but i liked that serenko brought in the shield side division the visual is a little bit different uh-huh. but i don't know I, I like the people just sitting there like thinking really hard and scanning yep. mental waves yep that was cool <laughs> to see again and i just love the over-the-top name of the satan claw yes i've always wondered what that was and maybe they'll get into it 
Because I've seen it before in future issues. So I know he has it. Okay. Is it, just, is it just a robotic thing that is that that's like shoots heat? Or what is it? I guess it's just a robotic arm or hand, I guess, huh? Well, it fits over his hand, so it's 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 a sheath. It's like not a, an actual it's like hand. an Iron Man glove. Yeah. 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 I guess that's what it is. Okay. But why is it called the Satan's Claw? Just because? Just to make it sound cool? I think it's just a cool name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fine. Um, I'm just looking up real quick on Marvel Fandom, which I've decided is one of my favorite sites for information about Marvel yeah. uh, continuity and history, everything. Um, is that the Wikipedia for Marvel? Basically? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It gives him strength, electrical shocks. Uh, it's been damaged and destroyed, but then fixed and rebuilt. Sharon Carter wielded it at one point for a while. Hmm. Uh, Arnim Zola helped design it. Oh, wow. Okay. So there is an origin to it somewhere down the road. Mm-hmm. And Fury once uses a confiscated Satan Claw to battle a robot of Yellow Claw. Awesome. Claw versus Claw. <laughs> right, right, right. Anyways, so that's the thing. Oh, it's even been in the um, MCU? Has it really? Hmm. Mechanical arm-like device worn by Baron Von Strucker when Captain America was unable to reach the cannon in time. He heads to the building housing the radio dish, encountering Baron Strucker. Uh, Cap plants charges along the steel support beams of the radio dish tower to destroy it. Strucker intercepts him, engaging in a fist fight, using the claw to attack him. Wow. So I think he's wearing a metal glove in that fist fight, but it's never specifically identified as being the Satan Claw. I think that it, fight lasted 0.01 seconds. So I guess in the MCU, the Satan's Claw isn't that big a deal. Oh, no, it's actually an MCU tie-in comic. Oh, okay. That's Captain America Super Soldier. Because the fight with – I remember the fight. The what hurt him the most was Wanda knocking him down the stairs, and then when he got back up, mm-hmm. our Strucker's like, "Yeah, you can't beat me." So Cap just like kicked his shield into his throat, and it was over. <laughs> yeah, it's not even a tie-in comic; it's a video game tie-in. Oh, okay. So we'll never get. Yeah. So uh, I, who does video games? That's the one thing neither one of us are nerdy about. I don't think. No, I wish I were more so because I have the Spider-Man game and I've played a good hour of it, but like. And by an hour, I mean, I've played it for an hour. I mean, I've played through like an hour of gameplay, but like it took me like four. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I've, you know, played it for a while. I just, I don't, I don't take time to do video games. I know. I just bought that for my son for Christmas too. And it's like, I mm. told him, I'm going to play this once in a while. And he's like, okay. But it's like, when, when am I going to sit there and do that? I'm never going to do that. Um, the only other note I have is that they talk like they haven't met since World War II. And as far as we know at this point, they haven't. Uh, Fury yeah. and Strucker. Yeah, he's been missing. But for what it's worth, there are a number of intervening appearances and later stories of, of Strucker that take place between then and now. Mm. And maybe he just never sees Fury in any of them. But I know he's going to be in another Sergeant Fury issue way down the road. Um, so I'm curious to see how they handle those things. Because right now it feels because- like they haven't seen each other since then. Well, and we're back to the age thing, which doesn't really apply here as much as it will later. So it's like, is there any secret backstory that we get someday that talks about how Strucker survived World War II to be in modern day Mm. S.H.I.E.L.D. adventures? Or is he just really old? Because right now they could be about the same age. I don't think there's any mention that Nick is is younger than he should be right now. He's probably in his 40s, right? Right. But someday he's going to have to have some sort of injection. Is that why his face is all craggy and lined? But it was, it was kind of lined it, back in the day, yeah, wasn't it? I think that's just because he's an evil villain, yeah. 
I don't mm. think they're trying to suggest that he's older than Nick because why would he be at this point? But someday, as with all these ex-Nazis, they got to figure out how they're still alive in 2020. Right. I'm scrolling through his page to see if it explains. Um, like I think in the case of Zemo, the original, they're just like, eh, he's old. You can't tell under the mask anyway. And Red Skull turned out to be old. But see, even that story won't work eventually. Like at some point, all these people who survived World War II will be too old to be alive naturally. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Um, shall we see what Dr. Strange is up to? I guess. Chewbacca Ferengi. <laughs> With a forelock. With a forelock. The end of the ancient one. Dun, dun, dun. Produced by the masters of Mythopoeia. Spellbinding oh. Stan Lee and Magical Marie Severin. Inking Herb Trimpey. Lettering Artie Simic. By their amulets, ye shall know them. In order to vanquish the unspeakable Umar, Doctor Strange has liberated Zom from an imprisonment of ages. But now with Umar gone, the monstrous Zom threatens to become the deadliest menace of all. They set loose a monster to fight the monster, but they still have to deal with the monster. Okay, so we start out, uh, we're in Stonehenge fighting, and Zom basically kills the Ancient One. Merges him with one of the vertical stone slabs of Stonehenge. And there's this one creepy scene where, like, you can see his face still moving in the stone. He's like, before I am lost forever, I have only the strength enough to say, the forelock to beware. And he dies. And mm -hmm. Dr. Strange is like, well, crap. Um, so he and Zom fight. Uh, the Ancient One's face disappears from the stone, which is how Dr. Strange knows he's really, really gone. He's wanting the forelock. Wait a second. Does he mean that big old ponytail coming out of the top of Zom's head? Could that be the forelock? It's it's not so much fore as it is on top. Like, it's not coming out of the front of his head. Like but maybe it's like those Andorians in Star Trek. Do their antenna come out from the back of their head or from the front of their head? Depends on which series you're watching. Um, so, yeah, he goes up and basically Samson's this guy's hair. And Zom's like, no, you cut off my hair. I'll cut off your cape. And so he does. He rips Nick Fury's, uh, Dick Fury's, Doctor Strange's cape, sets it on fire. Um, Doctor Strange realizes he has more power than he expected, enough to maybe actually beat this guy. Um, then he sends a, a kaleidoscope of images of people. Um, they're practitioners of mystical arts. They feel the growing aura of evil, but he does not know what the mystery is. What is the unleash as he sees the forelock? But Zom is attacking. Um, and he starts saying, Zom's like, nothing can halt the coming of the living tribunal. Now that he has lost his hair, it was like, there's this other force that's coming to Earth known as the living tribunal. And so Doctor Strange um, is fighting Zom. And suddenly Zom stops because there's this voice that rings out, hold, the hour has come for judgment. And this big glowing light comes up and Doctor Strange's like, I, I'm more powerful than I was, but I still can't stop this guy. And the voice says, Zom, you're done. Get out of here. And Doctor Strange's like, okay, what is this? Who is this? And um, the voice is like, okay, you set free and severed his forelock that wakened a sense of evil, which had slumbered for ages in the bosom of the mystics of mankind. Because of one mortal's fateful act, a grave new danger now threatens the worlds beyond worlds. 
for what you have done, hapless mortal, you and the entire planet Earth must be totally destroyed. Such is the judgment of the Living Tribunal. And we get this full-page shot of this um, golden being with a triple head floating over his body. There's no neck. Who needs necks these days, anyway? Next, the Sands of Death. If you pick your favorite comic character based on how powerful they are, I always say pick the Living Tribunal. Yeah? I mean, he's basically God in the Marvel Universe, right? Basically. I think he's just the the ultimate judgment. Um, Cool shot, though. I like this first image of him ever. It's very angular. I would almost not be surprised if this had been a Ditko drawing. Uh Uh-huh. Or a Ditko design, at least. But Maybe it's not. It we're, we're we're well past Ditko at this point. Maybe they scoured through his drafting table and found a doodle or something. Pilford. Um. Yeah, Pilford. I feel like I'm really kind of digging this story, except it's not quite great. Like they could have mm-hmm. done a little better. But it's got elements of good in it. Well, like the the shield story, it is largely a fight against the main person. Mm-hmm. Um. But if like you, it feels like it's just not quite there. Uh, did did not hate this at all. Did not dislike it nearly as much as I have been Doctor Strange in the past. Um, it was all right. It was enjoyable. Like if you said to somebody, you know, there's this all-powerful sorceress. Her name is Umar, and she was the brother of Dormammu, and she wants payback. So she came to Earth, and she was unstoppable. And so the Ancient Ones sent Doctor Strange to this weird place where he released an even more unstoppable beast to fight the bat, you know, Umar is the only way to stop Umar, but now they have to stop this beast. That sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. But it's just like the way they're telling it or the pacing or something is not quite great, but it's good. I like that the ancient one, sac- he says he sacrifices himself. You're right. It does look like, uh, what's his name? Ferengi guy just kills him. But either way, Dr. Strange gets his power, however mm-hmm. that works. So that's kind of cool. Now we have an even stronger wizard than we did before. Right. Whatever that We're going means. to uh, find, well... Hmm. Never mind. I'm not going to say that. Mm. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> okay. I know what a forelock is, mm-hmm. but they were saying it so much. <laughs> and I wasn't entirely sure that Zom's hair qualified as a forelock. Uh-huh. Uh, certainly in the shot where uh, Dr. Strange actually severs it, it does look like it's coming out of his forehead. But most of the shots, it looks like it's coming out of the top of his head. So I didn't think forelock. Um, but they say the word so many times i like on two where he throws the ancient one in the wall and you can see him being absorbed he's like remember my son my power now is yours use it wisely and await the coming of the castle of uh and then wait, wait, doctor, which castle is it and dr straight dr Strange's like wait, what did he say and then his head pokes out and he goes the forelock and then he dies <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to see Superman Spit Curl come save the day, but evidently that's not the forelock they were Uh, looking for. So are they saying that because he took the forelock off the head, that's what summons the living tribunal? Somehow, some way, this hair being burned off of his head, like, unleashes some sort of evil force unseen? I don't know. And the ancient one thinks it's a good idea that the living tribunal show up, apparently. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because his first words are to await the coming of. And then before he dies, he's like, Forlock! Now, maybe it is good, because this dude is definitely bad, and the tribunal does take care of him. Mm-hmm. So maybe Doctor Strange can talk his way out of 
punishment or you know yeah, saving the earth or whatever. Yeah, because Living Tribunal is ready to destroy the entire planet. Um, yeah, but he's probably a little more fair than this guy. Probably. Maybe. Although he has multiple faces like the Quintessons from Transformers and they are uh-huh. not fair. Um, the Quintessons have his face, actually. Oh, you're right. I should, I'm so sorry. Um, Guilty or innocent. Innocent. No. <laughs> um, They're going to be in the next Transformers season, The War for Cybertron on Netflix. They're going to be oh, in really? it. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I, I'm kind of torn because um, Keenan hasn't seen the movie. What? Well, not in recent years. He saw when he was younger. But okay. he doesn't know stuff like Megatron is Galvatron. Oh, wow. He's forgotten all that. So I don't want to watch War for Cybertron until he's able to experience those storytelling twists for himself. Uh-huh. So I think we're going to pretend War for Cybertron Season 2 doesn't exist until after we've started Season 3 of the cartoon. We'll see how. We'll see if I can make him wait that long. Did Rom, like, kill Doctor Strange's cute cape? It looked like it, right? Right. Although um, Zom, not but, Rom. It's not a space knight. Uh, no, I know. But Rom is a Ferengi looks like and he looks like a Ferengi. Oh, yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. You're right. Can he have forgotten me? What time? Uh, yeah, he just sits there holding his burning cape and then there's and no more cape. he doesn't wear that. it again. I assume he gets it back because he has it later someday. But right. He's not maybe, wearing it right now. Maybe it's just so a new one like Spider-Man. No, the Living Tribunal will gift him a reborn cape or something. With his not entirely separate fingers. Look at his yeah, hands. Yeah, you know what? He looks like Rom. <laughs> he, he doesn't look quite the way I think of him now, but it was just a cool style choice for like the first appearance. It's kind of neat. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but this is another one of those cosmic characters that I first met in the Infinity War. Exactly. That is, He's the one who judged who what to do with the stones when it was all said and done. Mm-hmm. Which makes me think like – Traditionally, I mean, I don't know how powerful this this weird beast thing is. Apparently, very powerful, but it does seem like a little below the Living Tribunal's pay grade to bother with any of this, right? Because we have have, we have now met three of the cosmic giants who were at that council meeting: Mm -hmm. Eternity, Living Tribunal, and the Stranger. Right. No Um, Watcher. Where's the Watcher? You think this would be a big deal if the tribunal's around? The Watcher should show up. Anyway. All right, Fantastic Four, number 63, Blastar, the Living Bomb Burst. Um, I just said that, Blastar, the Living Bomb Burst. It finally happened. The Human Torch and Crystal have found each other. Mr. Fantastic has been rescued from the deadly negative zone by the water-breathing Triton. But can they now settle back and enjoy a well-deserved rest? Sure they can, for about two seconds, until... Let's face it, Sam the Man Lee and Jack King Kirby have done it again, and so have Joe Sinnott Inker, Sam Rosen Letterer. The until was suddenly there's a blast from the ceiling, and everybody's surprised, and things like, is Johnny doing that? <laughs> anyway, um, Reed Richards goes up there to investigate. He gets blasted. So then Triton goes up there with his air gun, and he finds Blastar. Is that his name? Blaster? Blastar. Blastar. And Sandman, who we were there, we, you know, pay attention last last issue. Um, and he's like, wow, this dude really blasts things. But I think at some point already Reed has theorized that this dude has escaped from the negative zone. So with that thinking, Triton's like, maybe he's never punched anything before. So he starts punching uh, Blastar a lot. And it's working until Sandman, like, hits him with sand, at which point Blastar's like, ooh, I like this punching thing. It's cool. And he does it back. And he's very strong. So Triton is out. 
Um, then Sandman just picks him up with a giant sand arm and walks him down the building. I don't know what their plan is. I guess just to walk through the city and be awesome. So they're doing that. The cops, though, have experienced Sandman so many times before that they actually now have a gun that they can use. They can bust out when he's around. It's like a cement gun. And it does work. It starts solidifying him and he can't move. So Blastar blasts him out of it. And then Blastar blasts all the cops. At which point, Human Torch, who was walking around on a date for the first time with Crystal, comes along. He flames on. They get into a big fight. Uh, the human torch gets taken out by Sandman, but just in time, the thing shows up and he starts hammering on both of them. Torch hammers on both of them. It's a really cool, epic fight. Um, we cut back to Reed who puts Triton in a tank with some cool Star Wars medicine in it. And then he like, is like, well, I can't beat, we don't think we could beat these guys physically. So once again, I'm going to come up with an awesome gadget. Um, thing is actually doing very well against Blastar. So, to get rid of him, Sandman rolls him up into like a cylinder of sand and rolls him towards the pier. Blaster tries to get rapey with Crystal, so she knocks him down. Human Torch and Blaster start fighting, uh, kind of trading energy back and forth. So it becomes like this big, powerful ball of energy. Crystal can't even look at it. It's so intense. Um, the Sandman takes Thing to the pier. Thing passes out from all the spinning. But then he wakes up because Sandman just tosses him in the water. So he wakes up and he breaks the dock that the Sandman is standing on and Sandman falls into the water and he gives him a really powerful thing punch, which splatters his uh, density everywhere and the water kind of like takes his sand in different directions. So basically the thing just killed Sandman probably forever. Right, guys? Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Um, Meanwhile, Human Torch and Crystal are doing their best, but finally Invisible Girl and uh, Reed Richards show up. And between the four of them, Fantastic Four minus the thing but plus Crystal, they manage to distract the powerful Blastar enough for Reed to finally plant a helmet doohickey on Blastar's head, which nullifies his ability to uh, you know, level up energy which basically just makes him like a normal person, at which point Reed himself knocks out Blastor and uh, they ask Ben to pick him up and take him back home, to which he does with, you know, while complaining. The end. Next issue, the Sentry Sinister. That's a Sentry like the guard, not like the Hundred Years. Right. Sentry like the superhero that Stan invented around this time that we never knew about. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. Actually, do you know what the sentry is here that they're going to be doing? No, I don't. Okay. Um, but it's not that guy. No, it's not that guy. But it is something I've been looking forward to because it unlocks a new quarter of the Marvel Universe. Okay. We'll talk more about that when we get there. Well, I really enjoyed this issue. This was quite awesome. This was pretty heck of fun. Sandman and Blastar wasted no time. Blastar gets up there at the top of the uh, building last issue, and like uh-huh. 30 seconds later, they blast down through the ceiling. Yeah, let's get this on! That did kind of bum me out a little, because for some reason, it seemed like they were setting up this idea that Blaster just escapes unbeknownst to the Fantastic Four. And I kind of thought there'd be like just some subplot for a while of him going around ruining things without them realizing he's out there. Oh, yeah. You know, but then they just decided, nah, let's just make him the villain. And that was fine, because it was fun. Fight. So these three issues basically follow on each other in pretty quick succession without any breaks, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty great. Um, 
Okay, okay, okay. Triton. Yes. He can fly. He can fly with a gun, air gun or something. An air gun. Now, I'll buy you're in space and the air gun, like, propels you <laughs> forward. Right. But to propel you against gravity? No. Yeah. I did like the punching thing, though. That was pretty cool. How Blastar learns how to punch for the first time? How Triton punches the heck out of Blastar for a while until yes. he doesn't get away with it anymore. And Blastar's like, I have never made fists before. That was, that was fun. This is awesome. I'm going to do more fists. I'll do more fisting. <laughs> <laughs> somebody had to say it. Yep, somebody had to say it. Um, it's funny, like, they keep, you know, every time there's a villain teaming up with another villain, they always try and be top dog. And actually, Sandman actually does a pretty good job of not trying to be top dog. Uh, but Blaster's constantly accusing him of, like, trying to take over. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like, I think Sandman is more powerful than Blaster. Does he not realize that? But I could be wrong. Well, Blastar is just like really generically strong. He's strong and he blasts things. He's strong and he blasts things. I feel like Sandman has way more going on than that. But I also feel like Sandman was just kind of like amused and going along with it just to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Okay. So I don't know. The whole like I've never punched somebody before, and I'll bet he's an alien. He's never punched anybody before. Mm-hmm. It just is kind of weird because like I, I I get it. If you have energy blasts that shoot out of your hands, mm-hmm. you've probably never needed to punch anybody before. But the idea of closing your fingers into fists to hit somebody like a club mm-hmm. just seems so instinctual. Like babies do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. I have never fought with my knuckles bent in the form of fists before. Mm-hmm. Then why do you have knuckles? <laughs> what are they there for? Okay, so if Blastar weird, were... Like, I think you said last issue, like, this is kind of a generic Kirby design, this Blastar guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do agree with you. It is kind of generic. But he does have this... Uh, he does ooze, like, super powerful, though, too. I don't he know. He does. And but he's memorable for being yeah. so generic and nondescript. You remember yeah. Blastar. Mm-hmm. Now, is he that different from Calabac? I don't no. know. Or that one giant Muppet in the Muppet movie that was chasing <laughs> them that whole time? Yeah, that's Blastar. <laughs> okay, so if the giant Muppet from the Muppet movie were to like blast things from his hands, mm-hmm. would you want to see like the energy blast come out of the hand? Or is he just going to like gesture and make explosions? I would rather see it come out of the hands. That looks cooler, right? I was wondering, I was- because some a couple of times there's like he just points and makes explosions. I wasn't sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it needs to come out of his fingers. Yeah, Kirby's drawing it that way. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. Like this was what was cool about this is like all the fantastic except for uh, I'm going to complain about that in a second. But unlike that last issue where the Fantastic Four do nothing and Triton and Crystal are the hero and they're just like worthless. Like this issue, they they are all sh- shining in what they do best, kind of. Mm-hmm. Except Lasai, Invisible Girl, not only does nothing, which is a real shame, but in the end she apologizes for being feminine. Like literally that word. Forgive me for suddenly turning feminine. And then I she's like, I'm not sure what she meant by that. Because she's just standing there. She does like block one of his blasts with her force field, but that's it. That's the only thing she does. Um, I felt like she did a couple of things, but turning feminine, like. I don't even get what that means either. You're right. I thought it just meant she felt like she was weak in that fight. 
Yeah, I thought maybe like it, 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 there was a moment for her to shine and she faltered. So mm-hmm. I, was, I was like paging back through trying to find that. And I couldn't find it. So I wasn't sure if like her sort of having a adrenaline crash emotional moment at the end, mm-hmm. which isn't feminine. It's completely natural. Um, to just like, you know, get the shakes after a really, really tense, you know, situation. Well, way back on page two, she does say it's my fault. I should have thrown an invisible force field around him, but everything happened so fast. But I don't know if that's what she's talking about, because that was a long time ago. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't I mean I wouldn't fault her for that. No. I don't know. It's really weird. It doesn't need to happen whatsoever. No. And I kind of feel like giving it a big middle finger to that panel. It's a bad dialogue, but not only that, it it is wasted opportunity to see her not do anything. Because I want her to do something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But everybody else got to do cool stuff. Human Torch, Mr. Fantastic got to invent the thing. I like when he invents a thing. Thing like really shined. He not only takes out some or the Sandman, but like even Blastar was like struggling against him. And Sandman got to steamroll the thing, like curled yes. up around it. That was pretty great. That was great too. Okay. So let's talk about some some, some Sandman stuff here. Um Sandman's clothing is part of him. It's like his outer layer, mm-hmm. except for this green chest piece that he's wearing now, which mm. I kind of thought was part of his sandiness two issues ago whenever he was fighting. Mm-hmm. But now um, the thing dumps the Sandman out of his green armor. <laughs> right. And then later the that. Sandman is all topless. You know, he does say he got something from the wizard. So that must be what it is, right? I just don't know if it's consistent with what we saw two issues ago. It may I not. I guess I should, should have gone back and looked at two issues ago. He mentioned something about something the wizard gave him in this issue, but I can't remember what it was, where that was now. Um, page 19, whenever reads like, Sue, Johnny, Crystal, never mind me. Save yourselves. I'll keep him busy while you make it to shelter. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't love that sacrifice play because you're not. You're not going to hold him off. By yourself, because you can't. That's the problem. That's what you just realized. And and what shelter? Like, where are they going to hide where Blastar can't find them? Is Reed suggesting they just go let the world die at Blastar's hands while they cower? I don't I don't know. Yeah, if that was Captain America, he'd say, Sue, Johnny, Crystal, execute maneuver 6A. Mm-hmm. And then they would do that. And then he would put the helmet on the thing's head, or the Blastar's head. And yeah, he's being too, like, self-sacrificing in a way that's not actually going to help anybody. Right. Plus, they're right. all fellow superheroes, so they should be willing to take on danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that bothered me, but yeah. it's okay. I like the crystal reaction because he did get a little gross right here. On page 14, he's like, ah, this world does have females. Like, what does that mean, right? As he grabs crystal. And is it is it weird to you when alien beings are attracted sexually to human females? Well, seeing as I've been attracted to Many an alien being, I guess not. <laughs> fair, fair point. <laughs> I don't know how that works exactly, but it works. But I like that she just like knocks him on his butt. That was cool. That was cool. They um, went on a date else? for three whole point zero seconds. Uh, Sue and uh, not Sue, but uh, Crystal and Johnny. Yeah, I don't know when they had time to do that between panels, given that it just immediately they attacked. But I guess they just yeah. ran off. We saw them walking out the door, so maybe they just had just enough time to get to the bottom of the uh, elevator. Mm-hmm. But, like, not let's a lot on, of time. Let's put on trench coats and go to dinner. Yeah, Johnny's so excited to take Crystal out to dinner that he throws a coat over his Fantastic Four outfit. She's in her yellow tights. They're mm-hmm. not dressing up. 
Um, they're just going to go with what they're wearing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a public figure. I guess he doesn't have to hide too hard. I guess not. Okay. Are we good? Yeah. Great issue. Great issue minus that little bit towards the end. That was sad. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. The Avengers 40. Suddenly, Woo-hoo. the Submariner. Yeah. All right. Um, in the aftermath of their life and death struggle with the mad thinkers triumvirate of terror, life and death. <laughs> Stanley, you're funny. Or Roy Thomas, I guess. You're funny. The victorious Avengers turned their attention to the somewhat more plebeian pastime known as Operation Cleanup. Stanley pontifically presents and presides over a Roy Thomas Don Heck majestic maritime masterwork. Inked in Suboceanic Splendor by George Bell. Lettered in a brimful bubble bath by Sam Rosen. Um, they're looking at the demolished Avengers headquarters, like we've got to do stuff, clean it up. Um, Wanda is seeming it pale and wan, and everybody on the team is like, Wanda, are you okay? She's like, I'm fine. Dude. Leave me alone. Seldom has such a cataphonic conflict been so clamorously craved, and seldom has even magniloquent Marvel so cogently and creatively complied. Enough said. Thus, wow. let the dynamic developments commence. All right. So um, they start cleaning up. Uh, Quicksilver does a few speed gags. Hawkeye's like, where are we going to get this? Quicksilver, stop sitting around. We're going to get this stuff cleaned up. And Quicksilver's like, look over there. And like, everything's all piled up and ready to go to the trash. Um, Wanda's carrying a bunch of uh, piece of junk. And she's like, Pietro, help me. I feel faint. And she passes out. And they're like, what is going on with Wanda? So they all carry her up. Hercules is like, even unconscious. She's so beautiful. And everyone's like, Herc, stop perving on the unconscious woman. Um, Hawkeye's like, I also knew a beautiful one once. I wish I had the Black Widow back. Oh, no. Um, speaking of the Black Widow, she flies over to steal some subplans, um, for S.H.I.E.L.D. And General Ross is like, we gotta catch her. Also, I've gotta find the Hulk. And Hawkeye's like, I wonder where Black Widow is. Uh, meanwhile, Namor is just like having an arena fight with his, um, soldiers, cause that's what you do. You mm-hmm. have gladiator fights when you're actually securing your throne in Atlantis. You just like play. So he's playing, and Vashi's like, "Hey, um, Prince Namor, there's a submarine approaching." And um, Namor's like, "What's it doing?" <gasps> it's shooting a torpedo. I'm gonna go stop it, Imperious Rex. And uh, it's shooting a torpedo at the coral reef. So Namor goes out there and stops the um, missiles. The submarine is like, oh, no, you don't. Full speed ahead. We're going after the submariner. So Namor's like, oh, no, they're coming after me. He's, okay, what am I going to do? Um, let them chase me. That's fine. I can do that. Um, so it ch- uh, the submarine chases Namor and gets stuck in um, some, like, really, really, really thick seaweed that I guess they didn't see coming and didn't try to dodge. But now they're, they're stuck. Um, so the people down there are just kind of like, huh. I hope we don't die down here in this submarine. And Namor swims off. Ha 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 ha. But his hybrid senses can tell that they're sending messages somewhere. And he wonders where they're sending a message. Meanwhile, at Avengers HQ, um, the Avengers have been watching the television. And they've heard that Captain America is in league with the Red Skull. Oh, no. And then Wasp is like, hey, y'all, Skype's calling. Uh, they turn on the Skype, hit the little green button. Do, 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 do. And it's Captain America. 
hey, it's Captain America. So are you really working for the Red Skull or are you totally chill? He's like, yeah, I'm totally chill. But hey, before I go, Cosmic Cube. Cosmic Cube, what's that? Never mind, I got to go. Um, so they're like, well, crap, Cosmic Cube, that sounds dangerous. We can't let anybody get that. Uh, they look at the files, they read about the Cosmic Cube, and um, they decide they have to go find it. It's somewhere in the world. We don't know where. They're going to go find it. Uh, they tell Ha Quicksilver to stay with his sister while she's uh, unconscious, and they set out to both find the um, Cosmic Cube and to maybe stop Namor. Um, Namor is causing problems at a naval station. Um, Goliath and the Wasp go to stop him. They're fighting Namor. Namor's winning. Hawkeye shoots um, an electrical charge arrow on him, which stuns him, but he falls in the water and he's fine. So he comes back up and punches Hawkeye out. And Hercules is like, are you trying to get the cosmic cube? Because I'm going to stop you. And Namor's like, I have no idea what a cosmic cube is. But um, if the Avengers want it, so do I. And so um, Namor basically flies off into the ocean. And the Avengers like, whew, okay, uh, we got to go find that cube now that he's all done messing with us. Meanwhile, Hank is glowering at Hercules because he mentioned the cosmic cube and Namor wouldn't even know what it was if, if Hercules hadn't said something. And Namor's like, fishies, hey, looking for a, um, looking for a cube. It's shaped like a cube and it's probably a little cosmic. Y'all seen it? And the fish is like, ooh, cube, cosmic cube, cosmic cube. Oh, it's over here. And Namor's like, finally, I've got this cosmic cube thing. You know, what is it? Hmm. Holding it. Does it transport me? Does it, what can I do? Can I command a water spout with it? And so this water spout shoots him out of the water. He's like, I can make anything happen with this. I want a muffin button. And a button shows up and he pushes the button and gets a muffin. Pushes the button and gets a muffin. Pushes and anyways. Um no, there's not really a muffin button. But um Namor does go after the Avengers, who I believe have successfully rescued their submarine. Um but he attacks them with an amalga beast, which is like um a various amphibious fish-like creatures combining together into one beast, including four um, tentacles like an octopus or squid. And it goes after all the Avengers. And um, there's a fight that basically the Wasp wins because one of the things that Namor does when he has this cube before he goes to the fight is like, I can't hold this cube while I'm fighting. I wonder if I can make it change its shape. And he wills the cube into a pendant which he puts on a chain around his neck. So he's still touching it, but he's all powerful. And the wasp was like, I wonder, that pendant looks suspicious. So she flies over and shoots the pendant with her stinger, breaks the chain it's, it's on, Namor loses all of his extra power, and the cube falls into a crack in the earth, and Namor jumps away because he's not ready to fight all of the Avengers right now. Namor swims off, the Avengers like, poof, that's done. And the Mole Man, down below at the core of the earth, Sees this little cube-shaped trinket down below. He's like, huh, what's this? It's stupid. It's like a child's building block. It doesn't even have any Lego things on it. I'm not going to keep this. He just, like, tosses it away. Next issue, Diablo and the Dragon Man. Yes. Not quite as tight as Fantastic Four, but also a very enjoyable issue. Yeah. I like this. Um, I like how they're slowly bringing Hercules in. Like, mm-hmm. he did not assume he was going to go on the team mission, but they're like, hey, Come on, we're gonna we're gonna go punch some people. You wanna punch some people? It's like, yeah, I like punching. So Hercules is great. I love him in this title now that he's a regular ish. Um, 
I was thinking about him, like, because he helped, he like, yes, he's a boastful dude, and sometimes he's an arrogant guy, although is it really arrogance if you're not wrong? Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, he also helps them, like, clean up, and they're all like, you don't even need to do that. You're not, you weren't even part of this. You actually, you just saved all our lives. Why don't you just go relax? Like, no, I want to repay you guys for your hospitality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then later, like, I want to go with you guys to help you out. And then later, it's like, hey, you're fighting my new friends. You're going to have to get slapped, you know? Um, and I just got to thinking, like, yes, he is arrogant. He is boastful. He likes to party. But he's also – he's got humility mm-hmm. or a humbleness to him. And I was wondering, like, we've compared him to Thor before. And Thor is, of course, a lot more serious. Um, but at some point – and I've never read this story, so I don't know. But at some point, Thor – loses humility to the point where his daddy says, I'm going to make you a lame human for 20 years. Right. So like that never happens to Hercules. So does that make Hercules a better person? I don't know. (laughs) I I don't feel like he is a better person. Like I feel like he's always like just a little bit gross. Yeah. A little bit hot headed, a little bit. Maybe, maybe just right now he's humble because his dad just exiled him for a year. Oh, you know, what if he heard about what happened to Thor and he's trying to play the same card? Maybe. If I just play the humility card, Dad will let me go back home. Maybe. Well, he, know, he knows he's stuck here for a year. He knows yeah. that. Yeah. Um, he also has a habit of, like, all of the Avengers losing a fight and he jumps in and saves the day. Mm-hmm. It happened last issue. It happens in the first fight in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's such a great page, man. That page made me so happy. Page mm-hmm. thir- 13. It was just like, come get some. I don't know. That was really cool to me. And like I've said before, there, there, there is a, a history of them not getting along, and this is the beginning of it. So a Hercules Namor fight is always fun. Um, speaking of Namor, uh, we also have General Ross in this, so there's a Hulk tie-in as well. Uh-huh. Both our Hulk and Namor strips came to a tidy conclusion. Uh-huh. In the most recent issue of Astonish, which was earlier this month. So the Ross and Namor bits here fit very nicely between mm. issue 91 and next month's issue 92. Mm-hmm. No, uh, no continuity gymnastics necessary. I really hope Scarlet Witch doesn't just have the vapors. Like, yeah, I, I can't remember what's going on with her here. We're well, way too early for Agatha Harkness and that sort of thing. Yeah, her, her powers got feedbacked on her last issue. Mm-hmm. So it could just be that, but I hope it's like not just because she's feeling tired and next issue yeah. they'll forget about it. Well, if they're doing this, it, it really needs to be for a reason, right? They need to do something right. with her. Right. So do you think human humans as a race by now should realize that Atlantis is not a mobile country? It actually is always in this one set of latitude or longitude and let's not go there anymore? Right. Like you know how to stay out of Russia, right? Yeah. So just don't go near Atlantis. Right. Let's stop testing missiles anywhere near this area right here in this map. That yeah, but you got to love the uh, the underwater electronics again <laughs> that are mm-hmm. being used to spy on these guys. Like, how does that even work? And then, of course, the leader of this submarine or whatever, it's like, oh, you're going to attack me? I'm going to attack you back even harder. Go military. I do love that we intersect with the Captain America story. Yes. But, <laughs> but kinda the cosmic cube. I mean, could there be some other way of? In- I mean, you don't even have to have Captain America mention the cosmic cube. The Avengers could leave headquarters 
to go stop Namor because that's already a known threat. And right. that's what actually in art, that's exactly what they do. They go attack Namor. They just talk about how they're looking for the cosmic cube. I don't I don't mind the hunt for the cosmic cube. That's kind of a cool idea, especially since it is just on the bottom of the ocean, so anybody could find it, mm-hmm. which is a bad thing. I just wish in Tales of Suspense there was some mention of it. Like right. like if the red hole red skull had said like red hole. If the red hole had said the red a-hole had said uh and after I'm done bubbling all the cities, I'm going to get around to finding that cosmic cube that we left on the ocean somewhere. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then now Cap's like, okay, quick Avengers, well, I can. Here's the coordinates to the last time I saw the cosmic cube. Can you go grab that sucker? Or even if, even if he said something here that indicated, oh, I'm fighting the Red Skull. Last time I fought him, he had the cosmic cube. Yeah. I really got to make sure he can't get that again. I better yeah. call the Avengers. So if he said something here that indicated that he was like, what are the Red Skulls doing? I've got to keep the cosmic cube. So can y'all go try to find it? Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's not the hunt for the cosmic cube that I, I don't like. It's the out of nowhereness of it. Right. It's just one panel is the problem. If they had built it up somehow, it would have been better. Right. And I the do love is- that Namor has no idea. And they all assume that he, or they don't all assume, but Hercules assumes. And then that just makes disaster. That was pretty fun. Um, Hawkeye's super cute with Captain America now. Mm-hmm. He's like, and even, Hank even points out, he's like, I, I thought you hated that guy. He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I grew up, whatever. Yeah, my eyesight's improved. Um, so Namor is at this base because he's assuming that's where the submarine came from. Is that why he's there? I think so. Uh, that's a fantastic question. Because um, let's see, he he sticks, he gets the submarine stuck in the in the weeds. He goes there to talk oh. to the leader. Thus, I shall follow the radio beams to their destination and destroy all crafts there. So that's why he's there. Uh, okay. So the naval base is right next to where the Cosmic Cube fell into the water, I guess. Now, I'm just paging forward. Do we actually know that they saved the submarine? No, I don't think anybody saved the submarine. Those guys are dead. Oh. Because All right. Namor at one point disappears to go look for the cube, and, they're, and they talk to the military, but all they're talking about is how the military is going to rally its troops and take on Namor again. But then the Avengers are like, actually, we can do that. They're like, yeah, yeah, good idea. I'm glad you actually volunteered. We were just fishing. Okay. Here's, a, here's a thing I really like. Namor has the amulet, and he creates this beast to take on the Avengers so that he can go one-on-one with Hercules again. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's using the cube to beat Hercules. And I was like reading that the whole time going, would Namor really do that? That just seems so like not classy, right? Like to say, oh, I, I beat this guy with a genie wish. Like Namor wouldn't want to beat somebody with a genie wish, right? Right. And then turns out he comes to his senses and also has that same thought and then stops using it to to uh, beat Hercules with, which I thought was cool. That was in character. It, his thought was like, I don't want to you know, beat him when he's drowning in the water. I want to fight him face to face. And yeah, it works out. So, well, what he was going to do is just use the cosmic cube to keep him moist. His words, not mine. Moist. And that was it. He was just going to fight him, you know, wet, but otherwise not use it to, uh, yeah, destroy Hercules like it could. Um, I did find where the submarine people mentioned that their divers are going to have to hack them loose. Oh, Because okay. the vessel is actually full on stuck in the okay. seaweed. Okay. So he's like, I just, I just hope the Namor lets us free the ship. We'll never come back to it. So we can assume this is Namor does. left. Then you'll get free. Um, Not that it matters too much. It's just people. 
Is it sad um, that that Namor did better with the Cosmic Cube than Red Skull did? A little bit. Yep, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, just even making it an amulet was more brilliant than anything the Red Skull came up with. And it kind of sets a cool precedent because, you know, way down the road, there are going to be multiple cosmic cubes, and they're mm. usually not cube-shaped. Right. It just, we, we like the term, so we keep calling them that. Sometimes they take on little girl shapes. Cosmic hedrons. Yeah. So Wasp makes a comment to Hank. Not that I mind you're hitching a ride, high pockets, but why don't you give yourself the power to gain wings when you shrink? And he's like, Ooh. I never thought about that. And wow. he will when he gets the yellow jacket suit. I totally miss that. Brilliant. And yellow jackets, yellow jackets, not terribly. Fun. Well, I guess it's still like twenty issues or so. Mm. It's still a ways. Too bad with that yellow jacket. That was a really cool design. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I'm end is the out. end is so good. I love it. Oh, when Wasp just like severs the necklace, is like, hey, got him. No, the Mole Man just being like, the Mole oh, Man. I don't want this. I don't know. P- possibly the best Mole Man appearance ever. I know, right? That actually made me happy for once to see the Mole Man. I was actually happy either way. Like, either he's going to toss it as inconsequential or he's going to have it. Either way is exciting. Um, but the tossing was funny. And then one other thing about the ending, uh, they made a big deal about Hercules spilling the beans on the Cosmic Cube and Hank getting really annoyed about that. Yeah. But then they didn't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what's going to come up next issue because Hank is definitely the type to bring up grudges from previous issues. To Hercules, the god of strength. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to have to tread carefully with that. He's really smart about stuff like that, isn't he? Mm-hmm. You were you're so stupid for doing... Oh, I can't believe you're so mad right now. Uh, I wonder if this, like amulet ever gets found well it's cube shaped again or is it just lost in the uh subterranean marvel world forever um i don't know exactly how it shows up but the red the red skull does find the cosmic cube again in captain america 114 yeah we know they make they make more is it they make more is it the same one i assume i don't know i don't know They, they seem to like you said there's been multiple cubes i don't think they're all the same as of right now this is an invention by aim Right. Um, so theoretically, think, you could make more. Right. But in my memory, it was just one cosmic cube until all of a sudden there weren't. So I just don't know when that happens. I don't know if it's the Captain America story when Red Skull finds it again or what. Because all you need is like a plexiglass or a box made of plexi with two giant like hose device things attached to it. And then you press a button and Kirby crackles happen. And, and there's a, some glowy, silly string And then inside. there's a cosmic cube in there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so anybody could do that anytime. All right, anything else on this one? No, I think we tackled it. That's our four issues. Yeah. All right, so next week, we'll talk about four more issues. We're going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man 49, The X-Men 32, Tales to Astonish 92, and Daredevil 28, which will finish out March of 1967. But we should mention that... um, Coming soon, Make about eight Marvel. episodes from now, is the first Marvel prose novel. And we will be talking about it. So if you like to read along with the show, if you want to try to get your hand on The Avengers Battle the Earth Wrecker by Otto Binder, it is not in print. Uh, so you can find a used copy out there. Uh, there are, you know, scans that exist, although we don't officially endorse the use of, but it's not in print right now. So if you want to find it, try to find it. Uh, we will talk about it. And we're talking about the idea of doing something special to go along with that, which will be handy for those who don't manage to get a copy. 
Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that more as we get closer to it and it actually starts becoming a reality on the production side. But if you're anything like me, start reading now because you're going to need all the time you can get. <laughs> for us recording, we're going to record it in about a month. For you listening, it's about two. Um, yeah. But we'll see. All right. Where can, uh, where can they find us? MakeOursMarvel.com. We'll have your links to uh, you know Android and iTunes and Spotify, RSS feed, um, links to our social media, Facebook and Twitter. Of course, every episode is on there for playing, too, if you'd rather go that way. And you can contact us with a form on the site, or you could email us, podcast at MakeOursMarvel.com. On the site, there's also a PayPal link. If you feel like uh, dropping a little you know, clink of change in the tip jar, that would be great. Um, Michael can be found on Twitter at Kaiser the Great. I can be found on Twitter at John Reads Comics. Um, I am currently only producing one other podcast. What? Uh, Dino Squad Goals. Keenan and I decided to hang that one up. So that's... He's not enjoying it as much as he thought he would be. And since it was his idea... We're going to just be done with that. Um, all the pouches, I haven't touched it in months, and I don't know when I'm going to. I would love to, but why Why keep promoting it while I'm not working on it? So the only other podcast I'm doing is Return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast, which um, can be found on Twitter at TFUKpodcast or the web TFUKpodcast.com or any good podcatcher. So if you like Transformers comics and cartoons from the 80s, go check that out. Um, and that's it. That's it. So we'll be back next week. So until then, or until Baron Strucker meets some telepathic aliens and drives them insane with his hate-filled Nazi brain...